Karen and I like to hike. Uh, we enjoy a, uh, a path through the woods. We, uh, our favorite is Panther Creek up in North Carolina. On our trip in August, if some of you have the mind, we might give that a shot. Uh, we recently were up in Dillard, Georgia, taking a hike on Black Rock Mountain. And um, as hikes go, the path at one point separated into two or three different uh, paths you could go. Actually, there's only one path you should go, and so immediately I look for the painted tree. Uh, if a hike is, is well marked, there'll be a painted tree, and off to the right, there sure enough was a yellow paint mark on a tree, and I knew instantly which way to go. On our path up the mountain of theology, of, of understanding that Jesus Christ is God, on our climb to this incredible mountain that leads to life, in life itself, there are markers. In fact, there are seven of them in the Gospel of John. Seven of them in the Gospel of John. There are markers for us. Uh, today we study the first of those markers in John chapter 6, verse 22 and 32. But let me give you the seven markers as I have them. Jesus claimed that he was seven different things in the Gospel of John. They all begin with the little small I am's. When Moses was confronted in the Old Testament with the burning bush and given the commission to go down into Israel to set his people free, the last thing Moses asked was, Who shall I say sent me? God's answer was amazing. He said, I am. Tell them, I am sent you. That was his name for himself. He has no past. He has no future. He is the ever-present I am. When Jesus came on the scene, he declared himself seven different times in this gospel that emphasizes the deity of Jesus Christ, I am. He's saying today in the next few weeks, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. I believe he healed a blind man right before that. Uh, I am the door of the sheep, and there they run. I am, let's go back up. That was fast, wasn't it? Did y'all catch that? You who are writing notes, did you get all that? I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Gives his life for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. In fact, when they came to arrest him in the Garden of Eden, he asked, the soldiers asked, Where is he? And he says, I am. At that point, the soldiers fell back to the ground. These were Roman soldiers who had been in battle and didn't know anything about the I am. And yet his very statements caused them to stumble back. He is the bread of life for us. Go with me, if you will, to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 22. On the next day, 
the crowd that remained. This is the day after the feeding of the 5,000. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered into that boat with his disciples. The day before, he had watched them put his men in the boat, send the boat off, dismiss the crowds, and they had watched him walk up into the mountain alone. They had, they had remembered this. But that his disciples had gone away alone. So other boats from Tiberias, now let me explain a couple things here. Capernaum is the same as Tiberias. Towns back then, as long as lakes back then, and bodies of water had two names. I'm from upstate New York, and I've fished for years on Cooperstown Lake, but you would know it officially as Oswego Lake. Same body of water, two different names. So we have the Sea of Galilee, and Tiberias Sea is the same sea. Tiberias being Caesar at that time, who they always like to pat the Caesars on the back by naming towns and lakes after them. We do that still today. So Capernaum and Tiberias are the same. Look with me, if you will. Verse 23. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. Now we're not told if these people came over from Capernaum, Tiberias, because they had heard... It's awfully fast for news to spread, but it just mentions that the boats were there, and you'll see why in a moment. Verse 24 says, So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. Now this is by necessity a much smaller crowd than ate the bread. The feeding was to 5,000. If there were women and children, the crowds possibly swelled to 15,000. You can only get a dozen to 15 people in these boats that sailed across. So let's say conservatively there's a dozen boats. We're talking about a hundred, maybe a couple hundred people at most. That's quite a reduction from 15,000, don't you think? But it well adds into the dimension or the ratio, if you will, of those who ever seek after God at all in our world. God feeds all of humanity. Every day, he showers this earth with supplies and food. The breath in the atheist's lungs are a gift from God. The very fact that their heart continues to beat is God sustaining all of humanity. Yet how many in percentage ever stop and recognize that the sun that beats down on them, the beautiful sky is given to them by a creator? Very, very few. So you have a couple hundred possibly crossing the seven miles that it took to get from the Golan Heights over to Capernaum. So look with me, if you will, at verse 25. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, 
when did you come here? We're a little confused. We watched the boats launch. You weren't in the boats. You walked into the mountain. How did you get here? When did you get here? Now, if I was the Lord at this point, I would say, well, fellas, let me show you. And I'd have walked down to the Sea of Galilee, and I'd have touched my toe in there, and then I'd just start stepping out, and I'd go out there, and I'd, I'd just do a little dance out on the sea, and I might do a backflip or two. I said, fellas, that's how I got here. I walked on the water. But Jesus has no desire to impress people with his miracles. He has a deeper motive in the miracles. He has something he's going after far more than putting on a sideshow, which he could have easily done. Jesus always cuts to the chase. He always speaks to the heart. Jesus never beats around the bush with us. That's why men hate him. That's why to come to him is a bit painful at times. We beat around the bush, do we not? Rather than just say it. Look at what Jesus says in verse 26. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw the signs, the miracle, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. You are coming after me for what I can do for you. You are seeking me because you got a belly full of bread, and you like that. Now, who doesn't like bread? Um, I love Panero bread. I especially love it when they send out the baguette that is warm and soft. I can't stop eating it. Crispy outside, the soft, warm center. Throw a little butter on there. You get crazy, pull out the honey pot and put a little honey on it. Wow. Some of you won't hear a thing I've got to say the rest of the sermon. <laughs> Just go off to Panero Bread and enjoy yourself. Then you get down to that bottom of that soup and you got a little bread and you just drag that bread across that soup. I kept out of a lot of trouble in the Navy with, with bread. I was a night baker and aboard a ship there are rough characters who work down in what we call the hole. Down the bottom of the ship where steam is created, and these rough men like to initiate new sailors as they came onto the ship with what they call greasing. Now, I'm not going to explain that. You just, you just think about that. It's not something you might want to look forward to for an initiation. I decided that I didn't want that experience. And so every night, as a night baker, I would send a loaf of hot bread and a pound of butter down into the hole. <laughs> Call it what you want. For four years, I never got initiated. <laughs> but Jesus says this, you're following me for you. 
you're not following me because you saw a miracle and you want to know who it is that can do a thing like that. You want to follow me for what I can do for you. And Jesus wants a lot more than that. We are naturally all self-centered. The world evolves around me and I. And so to enter into the Christian faith and to enter into walking with Jesus Christ, we naturally believe that the Messiah came for us. Jesus didn't come primarily for you. He came for the Father to put away sin. Now, does that affect us? Yes, it certainly does. Let's read on. Truly I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw the miracles, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Then he says this, Do not labor. Do not work for the food that perishes. Do not focus your life on that which is going to rot and stink within a few days, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, notice, will give you. He will give you. For on Him the Father has set His seal. I fed you. Because I want you to watch a miracle. I clothe you. I bless you with the joys and simplicities of life. Because I want you to go beyond those things and understand that life does not consist of the bread that we eat. Life consists, food consists of that which is eternal. We were created for that. We are living on a plane that's much too low. We were meant to live in the glories of heaven. We were meant to live on this earth with the glory of the person of Jesus Christ living his life in us. We are like big trailers with flat tires. They're all flat. And we've got our big truck hooked to our big trailer with flat tires. And we keep loading the trailer and loading the trailer and loading the trailer and putting stuff upon stuff. And guess what? It won't go anywhere. In fact, the more you put on there, the less chance those wheels have got to roll. In fact, they've got no chance. They're flat. But we pile up the wagon, man. We think this is life. What it's all about. Getting to a place where I raise above the suffering that's here. Eat what I want, go where I want, drive what I want. People look at me and go, <laughs> we are held captive by the opinions of others, what they think of us, what they say about us. What a low place to live. Mike and I, my buddy Mike and I, shared a chow hall together last night before last, as we sat there, as we fellowshiped, and we shared the Lord together. You can't buy stuff like that. This is a friend I've had for 30 years. We've 
known Christ together and walked together. The value of our fellowship of the men that got around. You, you can't put a price on that. That's what's, this what life is really all about. It's intangible. It's invisible. You can't put your finger on it. We watched a bunch of young guys that were so excited about Christ and about the passion of theology. Sat there till 11.30 talking about the Bible and Calvinism and Armenianism. Wore us out, man. Wore my, I just stepped aside and said, I'm, I'm just too old for this, all this. Just let them go at it. 11.30, I turned the lights off in the chow hall. I said, fellas, get out. It's my bedtime. Actually, it was my bedtime an hour and a half earlier, but I let them go at it. And off they went to a cabin for another hour to talk about Christ. Wow. This is what life's all about. Well, yeah, I just keep loading the wagon because it'll get going after a while. Look at verse 29, 28. Notice how slow the mind of man is. Look at 28. This is astounding. He had just the day before fed them. 28. Then he said, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Are you serious? What we have to do to pull all this off? How much prayer do we have to give? How long do we have to study our Bible? How many visitations do we have to go on? How many things do we have to do to make all this work of God happen? You know, you just check off the list, and if you get all the list, man, you get to get all spiritual, and then you get in the good things of God. How many works do we have to do to work the works of God? I recorded a bunch of statements from people in the Bible that came to Jesus. Jesus talked to the woman at the well, and this is what she said. Jesus responded, if you knew the gift of God implied, she didn't know that it was a gift from God. The ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, to, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles on the day of Pentecost, Brethren, what must we do or what shall we do? The Philippian jailer was brought out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And lastly, the prodigal son came home. Let me work this deal off. Hire me as your hired servant. Look how, look how we just can't give it up, can we? we're going to do well look look with me what you got to do verse 29 well the answer is nothing this is the work notice the work of God he didn't say this is the work of man that you believe he didn't say that well my part's faith my part's believing he said even that is a work of God himself Wow. You mean I can't muster and produce faith? No, you absolutely cannot. Faith is a gift from God. When he sees you absolutely give up every bit of your effort and work to do anything for God, he comes in and says, oh, you're, ready. you're ready now. Here's your faith. Believe on me. See, people get saved when they realize, I know this is, isn't, is really deep theology, but people get saved when they realize they're lost desperate people begin to grow as christians when they realize that in them flesh dwells nothing well, you keep working on it and you keep doing all those things and jesus will just patiently wait for you to fail and fail and fail 
until you have what's called a spiritual breakdown. It's kind of like an emotional breakdown. It's just in the spiritual realm where life becomes too crushing and the spiritual rigors become too much and all of a sudden you release all that effort and he just comes in and begins to work. That's beautiful, isn't it? And then a great moment. Well, you know, then they said to him, verse 30, I love this. What sign do you do that we may see and believe? Really? Are you serious? The bread is still in your stomach. Well, they, they commented on that. Look at that. For what work do you perform? Notice, notice, get this. This is a slander of Jesus about the feeding that they just got fed. Look at verse 31. Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness. Moses provided manna for 40 years. You just fed us for a day. You see the the heart of sin in man and the slow nature of man? Ah, we got fed yesterday. That's, yeah, Moses did that for 40 years. Come on, what else are you going to do? What hoop are you going to jump through for us now? Notice in verse 31, our fathers ate man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them, they meant, well, the scripture means God, but they took it as Moses. You'll see that in a minute. He, Moses, gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus quickly clears it up and said, I say to you, Moses didn't give you that food. God gave you that food. Let me stop and say this. Aren't we always elevating man above God? Aren't we always accolades upon a human being rather than on Jesus Christ? Oh, we need this preacher or that preacher. We need somebody anointed of God to come along and just lead us along. God is all you need. If a man can help you get to him, by all means, follow him as he follows Christ. But never follow him if he's not following Christ. And never follow him as if he were Christ or someone higher on a level than anybody else. Moses was a great man, but he was just a man. Enough of that. Let's, Let's move on. Look at verse... It was not Moses that gave you the bread from heaven. My Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven. Notice, he gives life to the world. He does not say that he gives life to the elect or to the Christian. It says he gives life to the world. Well, not everybody's saved. Not everybody gets life, do they? His atonement, what he did, is for all men. It is unlimited in nature. Now, one of the debates in the chow hall late into the night was whether God's atonement was limited or unlimited. Is the atonement Is the life that he gives simply for the elect of God, for the Christian? Or is it for all men? Listen carefully. God's perspective is that it is unlimited. It is for all men. It is mankind himself that has made it limited to those who believe. 
God has not made it limited. Man limits the atonement by not believing in the atonement. So you have verses that he suffered for the many, not for the all. Well, how is that to be understood? It is the many that believe, limiting the unlimited atonement of God. But it says he gives life to the world. Now I want you to stop and think before we draw three conclusions and finish this thing up. Listen carefully. I want you to think about what this world would be like if, if the Spirit of God wasn't present. For the last 2,000 years since Pentecost, the Spirit of God has invaded this world through Christians and through his presence through the church. It has altered this world. This world in 2,000 years would have destroyed itself a thousand times if it hadn't been for Christians, for the presence of God in this world. So in a sense, he gives his life for this world. In a sense, or in a very clear reality, he has dealt with sin. Now, that's playing out in our world. But he gives his life to recapture the world meaning lost humanity and the creation that was lost in the Garden of Eden. He'll redeem it all, except for those who don't believe. Three things. First of all, we get obsessed by the works of our hands. We are obsessed with these things. We are obsessed, we are compulsive, uh, obsessive compulsive behavior in terms of me and I and what I do and what I pull in. Because in the natural realm, kind of what you do does affect stuff. You don't go to work, you shouldn't eat. If, if you don't labor and make money to pay your bills, no one else should pay your bills. So go to work, eat your bread. What you do makes the difference in the natural realm. But we are moving into the spiritual realm where you can't do a thing. But you translate that back over. And I'm going to do things in order to make the spiritual life happen. We are obsessed with these things. 